Hello and welcome to the 905er podcast and the Thursday 905 roundup for this week. And well, we have a a, a bevy, a, tri, a, a tripos, a we have a, a bunch, a squad. You're of... you're you're overusing the thesaurus today. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, when in doubt, reach for stupid words. Um, of well, stories really about party politics, actually, but definitely party politics that affects the 905 region, um, both from the, uh, the PCs and from the Ontario Liberals. Um, and we're going to start off with the Ontario Liberals, who had a, a leadership. No, sorry, they didn't have a leadership uh, convention. They had a, an AGM, their, their yearly AGM yeah. in Hamilton this past weekend. Um, and well, um, stuff happened um, ahead of their leadership uh, vote. And Joel, what uh, what's up? What was up over there? Well, uh, first off, uh, full disclosure, you and I are former card-carrying liberals. I actually used to work uh, for the party and I used to actually like, do the organization for these AGMs, et cetera. So uh, I am going to uh, maybe maybe slightly don my, my partisan cap and send a, a congratulations, I guess, to the, the poor, thankless staff who had to work. I, I know for a fact that they had many long hours the week before uh, getting everything ready, stuffing kits, stuffing minivans and driving down and the long sleepless nights during the AGM, making sure everything ran smoothly, which according to all accounts in the media, it did. Uh, so kudos to to the staff, not the party executive, not the members, but the, the paid staff who, uh, who, who bust their butts. Congratulations to you, uh, one and all. Uh, because, I was also just just throwing in there that back when you were working for them, there were a hell of a lot more staff than. Well, that's the other uh, thing too. Uh, like you guys, yeah. the whoever the staff were on the ground were, um, were were doing like three, four times the job that that I ever did. So you know, tip of the hat to uh, to you. Um, but if I would say, I would say uh, it was a resounding success because it's for, it's top of the the headlines in a lot of uh, a lot of media. Uh, if you're called, if you're a political junkie in the uh province of ontario this is what you're talking about basically uh i would, I would argue the ontario liberals have finally caught up to the 21st century uh in this agm uh big news was that they finally changed their leadership election process the system from the very antiquated the the very elitist uh delegate system to basically it's a what they're they're calling it is a weighted one member one vote system which is uh According to the press release, every constituency association now has 100 points uh, and every uh, club, uh, young liberal club uh, around the province and the universities have 50 points. Uh, and basically, every member of the province, uh, every member of the party uh, gets to vote, will get to vote for the leadership candidates at a appointed time. And that the, the popular vote percentage uh, is broken down across the 100 points and the candidate of the, the candidates get that percentage. They'll get, you know, if you, if Roland Tanner is running for leadership and you got 20% of the vote in Hamilton center, well, 20 points goes to Roland Tanner and they keep doing this until some candidate gets 50, 50% plus one. Um, reason why, uh, and this is getting quite nerdy, but the reason why is because basically it keeps Toronto from deciding who the leader will be. Uh, the Tor Toronto is the, uh, has huge number of liberals. It's, that's no surprise to anyone listening, but it gives a chance for those uh, liberal associations with a lot less uh, uh, members to, to have a say and to, to have, make sure that their, their concerns and their inputs are, are listened. And more importantly, what I think is, this is key, um, is it forces the candidates to leave Toronto and go out into the province, into the 905 and into those ridings that are not, um, not, not liberal centric, but they have to go in there and they have to start talking with people and listen to their views. And it, what I think this will force is a lot of the liberal candidates that have been, nobody's been declared yet. Nobody's declared, but you know, a lot of the, the names that are popping up is they're going to have to go into a lot of blue ridings and a lot of orange ridings. And talk with people there, sign up members there and get the, uh, and, and hear, really hear what the concerns are 
uh, for Ontarians and those of us here in the 905 and beyond in Ontario. I, I, I really do think this is a great change for the Ontario Liberals. It's modernized their system. And I, I think it's got a chance for whomever becomes leader uh, after this uh, to really have, you know, do, do basically what the NDP were supposed to do with their leadership uh, and basically go out and talk to people or, you know, find out what people need, what people are worried about, what they, they want to see in their, in their, at, at Queens park and come up with policy to make change, positive change. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, there's an article in the star today, uh, by Martin Rich Cohn, um, saying, uh, Actually, the, the the title on the website is kind of more in your face than the one in the actual newspaper, uh, and it's like Ontario's levels have hit rock bottom, rock bottom, but um, at least that means the only way is up. Um, and um, well, I mean, they're claiming that they had more attendees than they've had in the last twenty years. Um, I don't surprises me, um, but good. Um, I, I, and I guess um, that. There's certainly a demand or, or a need uh, amongst the population for um, for the opposition to get its act together. And so perhaps there is a, you know, an enthusiasm. Um, you know, anybody who goes to a to a um, AGM like this has to shell out about five hundred bucks out of their own pocket. That's just around um, the door. That's just the admission. Never mind yeah, your, your um, room so, board at a hotel or in the travel costs. Mm-hmm, it's um, it's not a. Um, it's a significant undertaking to to attend an event like this. Um, so, yeah, good, I guess. Um, uh, like you say, the the the, the NDP, you know, again, don't want to seem like we're picking on the NDP, but they did shoot themselves in the foot a bit by 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 not having gone through this process. Um, I'm finding it strange. I mean. Uh, Rich Cohen's article is basically saying that that you know Bonnie Crombie of all people has, has kind of emerged emerged at the AGM as a as a kind of star uh, as the person with the star quality who who stole the show um, and I have to say that with no disrespect whatsoever to to uh, Bonnie Crombie I I've been to AGMs where Bonnie Crombie was at before and there was no particular. <laughs> Yeah, but who are about it? <laughs> yeah, but the, the situation is, has changed drastically. Like the, people are looking for a somebody with some gravitas and and uh, and you, you know have to to kind of go against Doug Ford. Um, Bonnie Carmi has been a longtime liberal at the at the federal level. Um, you know, she I, there's there is you and I have said like you know being a mayor uh, in this province is a bit of a thankless job i mean you you do only have so much power and it'd be one thing to be you know if she runs for leader and she becomes premier of the province like that's that's a significantly lot better job than mayor of mississauga so i can i can see her i can see, i i can see her interest in 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 checking the waters uh, but just going back to the, the ndp point that you made you know back when when merit styles was uh, appointed we do say appointed uh, or anointed, I guess I should say is the better term as leader of the NDP. We said like, you know, they missed a huge chance of nobody putting together a leadership uh, race or, or a contestant to, uh, to go after. I mean, everybody said, oh, she was a shoe in, but um, let's let me, let's look at the, just the facts here. The Ontario liberals are coming out of this AGM with great publicity, great press, big momentum. I mean, you've got even if you don't count uh, Bonnie Crombie on the leadership race, you got uh, Nate Erskine Smith, uh, Yasser Nakvi, uh, uh, Ted uh, Ted Sue is one that names is being batted around, and a number of other other people that are are apparently now wading into the waters. Um, they they haven't even announced how the race will be held, like what the rules are, and so once that actually kicks off, once we actually have a list of rules set out and candidates declared and we are off to the races you're done telling me that nobody's gonna be covering the ontario liberal leadership race on the front pages of the of uh the toronto star global mail uh and going around. i mean i know you and i've talked it over we'll probably reach out to a number of the candidates to see if we can get them on for an interview uh onto this podcast 
once they've been once the rules have been set and we have official declarations we'll we'll try and reach out and see who we can get on and we would have done the same for the ndp and they just the ndp just shot themselves in the foot and again it's like that attitude of just oh we're in opposite we're, we're now the the opposition or the loyal opposition we it's our turn next right to be to be government that's how it works right we we get to now it's our turn to at the next election well it, it's that thing of i made the metaphor a couple of weeks ago uh that you know when someone pitches you a, a soft a soft fastball down the middle you know it's your it's your obligation to try and smack it into the stands and um and that was what I, I felt the um, the, the stag and doe story was that that this was the yep, gift yep. that should keep, keep on giving to all, all all the opposition parties, and I felt that they hadn't taken the opportunity. Uh, and Marit Styles is the person who, above all, needs to take that opportunity, and she didn't didn't doesn't seem to have taken it. Maybe I'm missing something. I don't hang out on the on the legislature channel watching. Um, nobody does nobody does right i mean it's like news gets to me in the same way it gets to everybody else you you i remember the day that doug ford was chosen as leader as funnily enough it was during i think a liberal provincial council which is like an agm but but a little bit less so and i was still involved in the liberals and we were coming up to the leader and we were all crossing our fingers and hoping that it wouldn't be doug ford and of course it was doug ford and watching then the tv screens in the hotel and seeing how he just took over the news agenda from the moment he became leader. Well, actually, from from the moment he threw his hat into the ring. Um, that's what we need. Now, part of that is an unfair comparison because big loudmouth idiots uh, seem to get an awful lot of free uh, column inches and metaphorical column inches on television um and doug ford yeah, being one but, example donald trump being another rob ford being a third um but they get think, an easier go of it um because yeah, by the very does, outrageousness but it's not an excuse it's, it's for not, not excuse you're right no no you know, she, like, she has to Matt styles has to has to has to be getting on the front page of newspapers she needs i cannot imagine a world in which that story, the Stag and Doe story, had not, you know, what well, you've got the initial story, and it's like Scout, and it got screwed up by by John Tory. For whatever reason, whatever the rights and wrongs of it, it was screwed up by John Tory. The opposition parties need to make sure that that stays on the front pages for days and weeks afterwards. Um You've got to pick away about details. You've got to ask, okay, we demand to see the list of guests. We demand to see, um, we need to, uh, excuse everybody, I didn't turn my phone off, of course, because uh, I'm a true pro. <laughs> um, well, and, you know, by doing that, you create new stories and you keep it in the public eye. And, you know, they haven't done that. They haven't even begun to do that. Um, the story is basically dead already. I don't understand well, how they could let that opportunity well, their, their go. first problem was they thought, oh, we'll send it to the integrity commissioner and the integrity commissioner is going to help us out. It's like, no, that's not how it works. The integrity commissioner, you don't use the integrity commissioner until the report comes out. The problem is by the time the report comes out, knowing this government, you're going to have 20 more scandals and this will get lost in the shuffle. My question has always been, right now there is a by-election happening in Hamilton Center, old an NDP stronghold if there has ever been one in this province. Why is Merritt Styles not using that as a bully pulpit to go to town on Doug Ford? Why is she not there at the microphone promoting uh, uh, Sarah Jama, who's, who's a candidate there? I see more of Sarah Jama on my social media and in the press than I do of Merritt Styles uh, uh, in Hamilton. In Hamilton. And, well, and, and, and just and it's, going it's like, back to the story of the stag and doe thing, it's like when the yeah. NDP made a press release, they forgot to mention Marit Styles in the headline or the first la, la, right. first paragraph of the. It's like the most important thing is, it's not NDP says this is a disgrace. It's Marit Styles says this is a disgrace. Yes. yes. Future leader of the province says this is a disgrace. It's like this is amateur hour, guys. Um, that, that's your, a, your media people haven't don't know what the hell they're doing. 
Um, well, that's exactly it. Like, but you know, to bring this full circle back to the liberals, uh, you know, they did this weekend right. They they knocked this thing out of the park. They they come back and say we've modernized our system. We are new. We are reinvigorated. They have going into this weekend. They had uh, you know three potential leadership candidates. Uh, all, all milling about looking for a bid. And now they might have a fourth with Bonnie Crombie. Like that's momentum. That is momentum you cannot buy and you cannot manufacture. And that's momentum that's going to carry over for the next year. And like, and like yeah. And Bonnie Crombie always, suggests a serious player. Yeah. Who, and she doesn't, who, she has not said no. She has not yeah, said no. She has no reason to, to risk her current very good job yeah. by doing this unless she doesn't think the liberals are dead in the water, third place party, and 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 sort of heading the same way as they yeah. say the Alberta liberals. Um, but she's looking and going, okay, this is the actual opposition. This is the party. Now I'm putting the words into her mouth, uh, but it doesn't but speak you're, you're to right. to a political if, group that is lacking in confidence that it can come back. If the liberals are, as you said, if they are like a a dead and done party. Ala, the Alberta, the Alberta liberals, as you said, Bonnie Crombie would not have shown up. She would have st- stayed away as far as possible and kept her head in the sand and just, you know, liberal who, you know, that, that would have been the response. You don't go in and make sure somebody like Red, Martin Reg Cohn writes a column about you and get your picture on social media, smiling and, and shaking hands with every liberal member you can find. And that's not a, that's not a slam against Bonnie Crombie. That is not. That is somebody who's clearly putting her her support behind this this party. I'm just saying, everything I've looked at, you know, they, this isn't a party that is 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 done. I know a lot of people want to write them off as as done and and toast and you know, the the minivan party as Doug Ford wants to call them. I am going to say, it. no, they're they're not. This is they're going to see some momentum hopefully get some get an organization together and uh, we're definitely not here to, to sing the praises of the ontario liberals that's not what we're about uh, we, we've we, we we're probably boringly often repeat our kind of you know just so you know our background is um but we're, we're we've given them a hell of a lot of stick over the months um and i think we're happy to give any party stick oh yeah yeah um but yeah it this isn't a party it's, that's dead. It's it's not a party that that has the stench of death around it. Not after this weekend. They may not be. They may not make full government. Stench at times, there have been times where it's like I don't know. I don't know if they can make it back. Things are pretty damn bad. I mean, the whole Del Duca era was just like my God. Um, but, uh, and there's something to someone who can attract that star power i mean we saw it at the conventions we went to that certain mm-hmm. people um would literally have some kind of star power that they would be followed around by crowds if they were present at the uh, and i can think of well obviously the time justin trudeau came to an olp um convention or agm or whatever it was you know it was like oh my god you know it's right it's right. literal um it's a rock star it's kind of rock star stuff and, and a whole yeah. bunch of people going, I'd have to pay a thousand bucks to do this if I went to a fundraiser <laughs> and I'm right. getting it free thrown in with my AGM that I only paid 500 for. Yeah. Um, I mean, there were, I'm uh, trying to think of other people now, but I mean, in, in, you know, um, uh, Christia Fre- Freeland had the same effect at the last leadership election, which is yeah. the last liberal event that I attended. Um, uh you know, uh, Bob Ray did it when he was, uh, you know, the, the sort of acting uh, liberal, federal liberal leader. Like he, he had that kind of like, oh my goodness, Bob Ray is here sort of effect. And if Bronnie Crombie has, has managed to can do that, um, it does say something. And, and going back to the kind of Shriner thing, it's like, and it's a point that Reg Cohen makes, and it's definitely one that's crossed my mind too, is like in that whole kind of strange thing about trying to attract a Shriner, um, as if he's he was some kind of savior. It's like, well, he's. I would absolutely say he's been a very good leader of the Ontario Liberals, coming from a position where there are zero expectations. Really, he's outperformed Greens. zero um, very successfully. You, you and, mean the Ontario Greens? Ontario Greens. Sorry, apologies. 
Um, and I will say things like the Ontario Greens do a very good job of getting all their media releases to us and certain other parties <laughs> I could mention. Two of the major parties in this province do not send us anything. And one of them is the one with the red badge, funnily enough. <laughs> they don't send us their stuff. And I've asked and I've asked. Uh, PCs don't send us their stuff either. But of the four parties, the Greens are actually the best at getting their uh, media releases to us. So, you know, kudos on that. Um, however, he doesn't strike me as someone with massive star appeal, if you like, that kind of, um, oh, wow, Mike Schreiner's in the room sort of thing. Um, now, is that really what you want as a leader for the province? I don't know. But you need that kind of person to win a leadership election and to get media attention. You know, Doug Ford has it. Love him or loathe him, Doug Ford has the star factor. He has, you know, he's going to be, <laughs> uh, yeah. no pun intended, the biggest person in any room he walks into. Um, some people can do it. Um, uh, uh, and if Bonnie Crombie can do it, well, well, fair enough. I mean, I think it's an awful long way from here to an actual leadership but, win, but, you know but what? who knows? Well, who knows? We'll, we'll keep an eye on this for the next uh, year or so, and we'll see how it goes. Let's uh, take a quick break on that one, and we'll come back with uh, more Ontario politicking. And we are back uh, and switching from red to blue. Um, so this is another kind of interesting, I mean, this is getting really into the policy wonk, but this is, I think this is honestly far more uh, impactful than the Ontario Liberal AGM. And that's basically uh, Doug Ford's campaign finance law that he brought in, in the, for the last election that basically uh, really curtailed third party ad spending limits or just spending limits, but mostly it's in, it would, it would have gone into the ads that you would have seen. Uh, he basically curtailed it and really limited their, their spending for a, a big window, uh, window uh, prior to the, uh, to an election. Um, and this was aimed at the, if you remember folks, the Ontario work, sorry, the, the working families coalition, which was basically the school union. So the uh, ETFO Elementary Teachers Federation of Ontario, uh, Ontario Secondary School Teachers Federation and the Ontario English Catholic Teachers Association uh, pulled together to, at the time, ads, anti-Tory uh, ads during election season. And by default uh, made the, at that time, the ruling Ontario Liberal Party look very, very good. It is no surprise that the that the Progressive Conservative Party hates the Working Families Coalition <laughs> with a with a, a visceral hatred and wants to see them wiped off the planet. Uh, understandable, uh, but there's this pesky thing called the Charter, um, and basically they so the Working Families Coalition took the Ontario government to court, and most recently the Ontario Court of Appeal has struck down the premier uh, or the, the campaign finance law basically saying that it violated section three of the charter uh, and prohibited these unions or any, any other third party, any third party from really actively participating in the democratic process, um, which is good news for working families. It also might be bad news for uh, progressives because uh, organizations like Ontario proud is now able to ramp up their efforts as well because they would categorize as a third party under Ontario election law. So it's good and it's bad news. I mean, it, it's it's one of those things like- it, it, it was portrayed in the media to an extent and by many people on Twitter or you know, many progress, people of a progressive persuasion on Twitter and indeed by the comments of the opposition leaders today as an attack on- freedom of speech particularly aimed at progressives um but i would say for everybody who was thankful not to see the working families um coalition but guys doing their ads at the last election there were just as many who were thankful not to see ontario proud taking part in the last election and i don't think it was any bad thing at all that they were both gone um so i mean yeah obviously we don't need to protecting people's right to free speech and expression and, and so on, very important. And the court has said this, and, you know, uh, this government seems to, um, it's like a bull in a china shop, right? It runs into things, it, do, it goes too far, um, and then it gets overturned. Um, I hope that they 
uh, they've now got um, a period of time, six months or a year or something, to come up with a with an alternative that will f- fall within the uh, uh, the constitution. Um, and I hope that they find a way to do it so that um, there are reasonable constraints on third party advertising. Because I mean, I've said it before in the ad- in the episode where we talked about this before that the you know if i want to hold up the working families guys up against the ontario proud people i say the working families people are closer to some some kind of decency and honesty but the third third party advertising at every level in ontario uh, municipal and provincial is the worst it is shite it is universally negative it is universally about distorting, at best distorting an element of truth into an exaggerated and fabricated and fear-mongering uh, thing. Uh, and at worst, it's just the kind of borderline racist, prejudiced, flag-waving, fuck Trudeau shit that has since become so uh, prevalent in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's not... Like, you know, if this is freedom of speech, it's the worst part of freedom of speech. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, and if third parties can find a way to do positive campaigning, it'd be really nice. I know it's naive of me and it's not going to happen. But I mean, how it's basically operated in the last few decades and how it operated under the liberals was that the, the liberals were able to do pos- basically pretty positive advertising by and large. There wasn't a huge amount from the liberal government of negative attack ads on the other parties they might just the other parties might dispute that but i mean honestly i remember a lot of very positive advertising um but partly that was possible because they knew that the attacks would be done by other people and then there's no conspiracy involved there they just knew that the reason that the working families coalition existed was to slag off the tories and to do the attack ads and do the scary stuff where you put a picture of the opposition leader in black and white and it's all grainy because that makes you think he's a nasty guy and you do that torn newspaper effect because obviously that's going to change but it works (laughs) well of course it works because that's that's usually our our instagram uh yeah. so <laughs> watch it uh, uh, well, it, it yeah but we're not well yeah, <laughs> we're not like those guys not at all i i i see your i i see your point i mean i i it it's yeah i mean it, this is a i think this is a double-edged sword i mean we we, we i don't like laws that strike down uh or, or that make it difficult for people to vo- voice their concerns during an election um, and I, you know, I, I don't think it's wrong for a, a union to say, "Well, we're concerned with this party's track record." We don't, you know. I, I imagine that this upcoming election, uh, we're going to see all things being equal. You're going to see the teachers' unions, uh, QP, as well as SEIU, the union uh, that's uh, uh, in in our hospitals, getting involved to protect their vested interests. This pro- this government has basically gone to war with a lot of them uh there's no trust i think um on either side of that debate right now and quite frankly i'm pretty sure if you're a union member you want this public union member i should say you should want this uh this party out of power um that being said you're right it's going to allow like the ontario proud to come in with in in this in the era of you're right the the fuck trudeau legs i i it's not going to be pretty is what I guess what we're saying, but um, I w- I, w- I kind of want to point out the fact that bring it back to this government by saying like this is another huge loss for this government. Like this government has not has not gotten a win in any major policy, any major legislation that they've brought forward. This this is a a loss for Doug Ford. Doug Ford brought in uh, this this uh, third party election financing law prior to the last election because the idea was like i don't need ontario proud anymore i'm i'm in power i've got my majority i'll bring it on i don't need to worry about protecting ontario proud they'll go off and they're going to go bash trudeau at the federal level with their canada proud uh nonsense i don't need to protect them anymore but i need to hurt the ontario working families coalition badly and that's what this was aimed at which the court said you're right it is it's unfair we're overturning it um I don't, it, it, this, this government just acts without thinking. 
Now, they could bring in on uh, Robert Benzies and the Star points out that uh, in 2021, Ford invoked the charter rights, the charter rights notwithstanding clause to overturn a judge's ruling uh, uh, that the legislation limited election spending. So you could probably do uh, do the same thing here, which I mean, that's that, that's the Ford government in a nutshell, right? I can't do it legally. I can't do it by the books. I can't do it the right way. I can't build a consensus and have the public back my my legislation because I don't have any political capital to spend. I mean, you only have 17% of the popular vote behind you going into the, you know, in this, if backing this government. So he can't say I have the political capital to spend on this. So what do you do? Well, I use the, the notwithstanding clause to basically take away evidently charter rights of people to participate in a fair democratic process. Um, that That's what I'm concerned about. I mean, I we're going to get it be bad. People will be saying, I, I think they'll say nonsensical things regardless if there's financing laws in place or not. P- people will go online and create memes and post half-truths and you're going to get the Chris guys of the world holding rallies across the province decrying, you know, 15-minute city ghettos. You know, just not, absolute nonsense. And that's where we are. That's That's where we are. I don't think the funding fundraising permits is really that i don't think it matters as much as we we think it might going forward um what does bother me is the fact that doug ford just can't seem to figure out how to govern properly and he's he thinks it's a matter of governing by decree i i declare tuesday to be taco night and nobody disagree with me we must all eat we must all do this because i've i've said so and like it doesn't work that way doug there's you need to govern, you need to build consensus. You need to, you need to talk to people and nobody believes what you're saying anymore. And I think that's the one more positive thing we can throw into the mix, which is that despite, despite Doug Ford's use of the notwithstanding clause to, to protect, to try to protect this legislation, uh, knowing that the courts were likely to strike it down, um, the courts have struck it down anyway, um, because it, it unreasonably impinged people's rights to vote. So there's a, there's a, there's a win there for the Canadian constitution as a whole, that even with the, the ridiculousness of the notwithstanding clause, which is right. uh, even though something tramples on people's freedoms, the provinces can say, we want it to be a law anyway, um, that there still are some checks and balances, at least that in this case have come into effect and um, struck down uh struck down this law um of course it may be appealed to the to the uh supreme court we don't know yet um or the government may i hope they do the wise thing which is to say well probably some rewording here will get 80 percent of what we were aiming for anyway um and maybe that 80 percent is the better 80 percent of what they were hoping for well um, what they want they want is the unions to go away it's ultimately what they want i mean like that's that's what it comes down to look at their behavior with qp uh earlier this year uh the no i don't i don't think they'll use the notwithstanding clause again because i just think the the circum like the, the the last time that they use it the public were so outraged um, oh, oh yeah, no, no, I don't and, think they, and, well, and, I don't they, they could, they, but but they they can still go to the court, uh, the Supreme Court, um, to appeal yeah, the could. Ontario uh, decision. They could, but I I don't. Well, if they, it depends if the Supreme Court wants to hear it. The Supreme Court might say, well, I don't really want to make a ruling for any other province. Um, and they might yeah, just say, well, I we, 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 we won't. We won't hear you are, but yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I think. Much, if you want to talk about a much bigger fish to fry in the whole electoral financing thing, I think that's our third story, which is um, the PCs held a fundraiser a couple of weeks back and raised in a single night in Ontario's breaking new world where there are no corporate, no union donations. They filled a room with corporate and union representatives and raised $6 million. Mm-hmm. Um, funny that, t- isn't it? Well, tickets were $1,500 a piece. Um, and I'm sorry, but I, I don't buy for a second that all, every ticket purchase was strictly out of pocket. Um, but I mean, here's the thing. You, if you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance you are not 
somebody who's got $1,500 sitting in your back pocket that you can go buy a ticket to sit at the table and hopefully catch the ear of a minister or perhaps the premier at a dinner table. Um, I used to kind of bring this full circle back in the day. We used to work for the liberals. We used to do this as well. They used to pack the, the convention center in Toronto with the richest of Bay street buying tables and, uh, and, and, and you know, 1500, well, I think then it was, uh, $1,100 tables. Cause that was the limit or $1,100 seats, I should say. And, um, it, that, that was a big thing. The fact is it's it, the money is still the factor factor here. Like it's, it's just, it's, it's grotesque. Six, $6 million in one night, all to the, the Tories. I mean, good for them, but it, it not really. I mean, they just up the, the limit that you can donate. So that's why they're getting these huge numbers. Well, but, and it brings us full circle in another way too, because it brings us back to Martin Reg Cohen, who's a great journalist, um, uh, one of the best journalists in the province working on political stuff. Uh, however, I mean, he almost single-handedly kind of kicked off and drove the campaign. No, he didn't lead a campaign but his articles about campaign finance and party finance and and the problems with corporate and union donations very much drove the win government um in a somewhat panicky way to uh bring in a really very sweeping um funding reforms that completely ended um corporate and union donations and and further than that um, banned MPPs from even attending the fundraisers that were held um, um, so that there could be no suspicion of, um, you know, cash for access and this kind of thing. So, you know, as, as a party, as a member of the party faithful, you're in this bizarre situation of having a fundraiser where the people who usually are the focus or the reason for coming, you know, get to meet a minister or whatever, are not there and it's like well come to meet nobody uh, a whole lunch, bunch of volunteers from the Ontario Liberal Writing Association woohoo uh, would you pay 500 bucks uh no <laughs> well that's the thing so, that's funny. I mean, that, that was weird but I mean at least they, they were honoring the intent of their own legislation which is to take and, and because I think there were people within the party within the party leadership who truly believed that the corporate donation situation was indefensible. Well, when the government changed, overnight they decided to reinterpret the legislation that the Liberals had brought in uh, with a much more favourable interpretation of what MPs could do. But it is still illegal for corporations and unions to donate. So why is it that the PCs are currently coining it in, in vast amounts of money that is clearly one way or another coming from corporate and union sources um it, point, this uh, is a bigger scandal than this is a far bigger scandal than what martin resh cohen originally wrote about i'd really like to see some articles from him exploring this current situation it seems to me no obviously the the parties are like well we just say it has to come from a personal check and the checks do come from personal checks but at that point, what happens next? Does that person claim that check back from, from, from you know, well, I swear to God, this money is not all coming well, here, from, from the, private pockets. I promise you that. Probably not. But here's the other thing. You've got um, like bill, the billionaire develop, development industry, among other uh, industries that like the top people there, they aren't you and me. You say, well, I, I, you know, 200 bucks, I could go talk with the minister about, you know, my, my personal pet peeve or my personal concern. Um, no, if these are people who are kind of expected to spend that money, they have the money to spend. Like this is not, this does not, this is not a, a dent in their pocket at all to attend this thing. They're there to, and they're there because they have to show up on the list. Otherwise they don't get favors from this government. Like this government would probably look at that donor list and be like, well, who showed, who attended, who did it? Who's from this um, uh, uh, consulting firm? Who's from this business? Who's from this 
uh, donor, well, you don't get, you know, you don't get put on the, on the callback list uh, when, or when you, when we put out a tender for a, a new government project, your name somehow gets left off the, off the, off the tiered list, no matter what the bid is. That's why they go to these things. Um, I, you know, there was a couple of weeks ago, you and I were talking about this just offhanded and you had, I thought you had a really good idea where, I mean, it's, this is all tax refundable, right? Like you, you put this on your tax deduction and you get a percentage of it reimbursed on your taxes every year. And would it make more sense? I thought it was great to say, we, you know, maybe we look into a rounded figure. Maybe you just say everybody gets a lot, everybody in the province, you're allotted to give up to $1,000. And you can divide that up into however you want, whichever party you want, as many parties as you want. If you want to give 200 to the Liberals, two to the NDP, 200 to the at PCs, so be it, 200 to the Green, round it out, and that's it. But every time you fill out your taxes every year, you fill out your, 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 on your taxes and the government just hands out that amount to the parties directly. It's essentially the, yeah, it's a complete reverse of the, you know, every so often is that there's, uh, you know, the, the tax federation of Ontario or whoever says shock horror parties are subsidized by taxpayer dollars. Ah, horror, the horror, the horror. And then they suggest getting rid of that subsidy as if that would make any bloody difference to, to, to the cleanness or fairness of politics. Um, it doesn't. There's actually no way in which people can donate to parties that I think can ever be properly clean and free of that kind of influence and quid pro quo that you talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in all honesty, no one's donating $1,500 if they don't think they're getting something back from it. And that was true under the Liberals. It was true, I'm sure, when the NDP were the Ontario government. Uh, it's true, whoever's in power. Um, it's It's not... A direct. I'm not. Necess- I'm not suggesting wrongdoing necessarily. I'm just saying that when you donate, you're doing. You're supporting a cause. Yes, but just you know, even there's no such thing as a, as a as a fully um, uh, altruistic action. You know, it's, it's this kind right. of cliche that you know we, we do. You know, even if you hold, help the old lady across the road, we're doing it because it makes our ego feel good or whatever. You know, uh, you cannot have a truly clean. Um, form of donation to political parties that doesn't at least create the impression that there is a possibility for corruption. So the only way to do it is 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 through is you hundred percent subsidize the parties, and uh, one way to do that and it wouldn't have to be like oh a maximum of thousand dollars. You just say everybody in the province has to pay ten dollars a year out of their tax. Ten dollars will go to the political parties, and you can say I want to give five dollars to the PCs. I want to give four dollars to the Liberals. And I want to give one dollar to the NTP, or I want to give ten dollars yeah. to the NTP and zero to the other buggers, or you know I want to give it all to the communists or whatever. I mean, there would have to be some kind of um, checks no. and balance in that. I mean, even that would have problems. I'm not saying that that wouldn't have problems too, but a yeah. small amount coming from every person in the province would put a massive um, motivation on the parties every year to be doing things that the yeah every voter wants rather than uh, right now but I, everything I would, that the, this no, PC I, government I, I, does I, I, I is aimed at its, at, its, at, its, at its major donors <laughs> who are the developers we've but seen no. that its entire agenda is based around its fund uh, where it's getting its money from and that is primarily big business and and above all the the, the uh, development industry yeah the, they are a party the, that works for that if the, if they got zero from the development industry but they got all their money from from some kind of um uh basically yeah but but my point my point that i like i think about i like the tax uh uh subsidy part is that you just have to be able to allow people to say no i don't want to give any of my money to any of the political parties because they, they should you should have a right to say no i don't want to go to any of them uh, I think that, I think the problem with that is that it would undermine the whole thing, and, and then it wouldn't work. But, but, no, but, yeah, but, I mean, no, I, I, I get have, the principle. You have, a, but... you have to have a right to say I don't. People have a right not to vote, right? You have to. You don't have to say I want to give. I don't want to give money to any of. Well, I think I think voting should be compulsory. Uh, f- firstly, even if you just go into the thing to say none of the above. That's still, um, that's well, maybe so, but that's still that's a whole other 
yeah. you have you have to have a right to say you have to have a right to be able to say to the political parties i don't like what any of you are offering me pox uh, in all your houses but I mean, right now getting, we all we're getting we're getting right we're right getting this off. moment we we all already uh pay part of our taxes to support the ontario and the yeah. federal parties we're already doing it it's nothing new we'd just be restructuring it i'm just saying i think it'd be interesting anyway but the point point is just to remove that Honestly, it's the end of fundraiser, the fundraiser event, the idea of like the small gathering where you get to go and hobnob with the minister of municipal affairs or a minister of health and minister of whatever. And the idea is like, well, I can, I can go and lobby them for X, Y, and Z uh, for my business or my, my interests. Um, that's what really what we want to end. We want to end like these big convention center fundraising gigs, those, those convention hall fundraising gigs, those stag and doe uh things and and say like if you're going to if you want to talk to the government about an issue your business a, a cause whatever you do it through proper lobbying channels you you book a date and time you say i'm meeting with mr so-and-so at this time to talk about x y and z and that way the public knows exactly who's meeting who's talking with our, our elected officials and who's trying to influence policy because that's what this comes down to is this, and that's that's where the finance, political financing financing is about. It's the rest of us bitching in the wind about why aren't why are our hospitals underfunded? Why do our schools, uh, why why are our schools locked down or, or not getting enough funding? Why why do our schools not have the right HEPA filters during a pandemic? Meanwhile, those who have the power, the billionaires, the 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 massive corporate interests, are able to buy $1,500 without batting an eye and they get the ear of the power wielders in this province. It's not right. It wasn't right when the liberals did it. It wasn't, it's not right when the Tories do it now. We need to find a new, new way of financing political parties and making sure that they're ultimately they're accountable to us, the taxpayer, the citizen. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the mistake was in thinking that if you took out corporate and union donations, it would clean up politics somehow. And it's actually made it much dirtier because the money is still being donated. It's just that now we don't know where it's coming from or who it's tied to. Right. Um, you know, because it may be donated by the secretary of a company who's getting it back from somewhere. So you've just, you've just thrown away traceability at least you knew how much Pfizer was donating or Labatt's or whoever um like Labatt yeah you don't have a table of Labatt executives and they're all sitting there oh I I believe wholeheartedly in this I'm going to fork out $1,500 for a table or we'll pitch in for $10,000 a table you know whatever the the funding scheme is you're right they're not they're not there's no way everybody at that table is it that much of a supporter no. of of uh, of that political party the, the thing is ultimately i mean the mistake we make yeah yeah corporate donations problematic but ultimately the ten dollars donated by a little old lady um who feels strongly about i don't know uh any subject it's just as potentially dirty as a thousand dollar donation or a fifteen hundred dollar no- donation from a developer um they're all like people join political parties all the time because they're hoping it will help their career. Uh, that's a perfectly valid reason to join, but it's potentially, you know, it's, it's open to interpretation as well. Aren't you just trying to find a way to get unfair influence? You know, if you start looking at this stuff at every corner, there's a potential way to interpret things as dirty, even when they're not. Um, and, and very often it's very much in the eye of the beholder. But, you know, if you, if you, I don't see any way in which party funding can ever be clean uh, if the parties know who the money comes from, <laughs> you know, and, and if you said, well, it's coming from anonymized from the public and the public has decided how much they're going to give or you know, they're going to give the parties or, you know, it's some kind of, you could come up with some kind of formula that ties it to the per vote subsidy. Um, but getting, also has a, in the weeds. Yeah, sure. But I mean, there, there are ways and means of doing this yeah. that would make it, fairer and which would give an incentive to the parties to um to prioritize the public's uh of uh interest you know so yeah. uh, um why don't we uh leave it on 
that for uh for this week uh thanks everyone for listening and we will be back next week with more of 905 bye 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 that's it for this episode of the 905er thank you for listening as always you can send us your feedback thoughts and concerns or ideas for future episodes to our email info at 905er.ca we'd love to hear from you you can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through patreon as well as paypal visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab as well links are in the show notes for your convenience Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. I'm your eager beaver. And I'm Mr. Grizzly. If you love politics or hate politics, then have we we the perfect perfect podcast for you. The True North Eager Beaver. Incisive political commentary. We keep you up to date and give you the political and media literacy you seek. To help you cut through the bovine fecal matter. Facts first. Sound analysis. Sometimes I growl. Sometimes I sass. We impart civics and build community. And we share some laughs along the way. Being informed and engaged has never been more fabulous. Or sexy. Catch us on on the the Dean Dean Blundell Network or on our YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts. Because democracy democracy is is something something you do. do.